Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. everybody and welcome back to the cut to the race news roundup show the weekly show covering the news views and opinions from the f1 world brought to you by the formula nerds news team we have a bumper show today we have the belgian grand prix race well wasn't really a race but the belgian grand prix review we're going to talk about the news and driver lineup rumors of which there is a lot of chat to be had and we are going to be previewing the dutch grand prix but before all of that i'm joined once again by jay and charlotte how are you guys uh, I'm buzzing, Dan. I'm buzzing. My favourite time of the week, spending it with you guys. I'm just sad that I haven't got a bit more of a positive Grand Prix to discuss, but good to be here. Yeah, I'm really happy to be back with the tremendous trio. Um, so yeah, let's let's get into Spa, shall we? Let's get into Spa indeed. We're going to do a whistle-stop race review because we have so much to talk about today. Let's talk about practice for the Belgian Grand Prix. Nothing really except helmet cam returned driver's eye call it what you like it was with Fernando Alonso and it was brilliant I loved it such an interesting perspective it gave fans I think it really showed the elevation changes at Spa especially at Rouge it showed what they're looking at you know they're changing little stuff on on the steering wheel on the dash it showed you know like how ineffective the halo is in terms of blocking the driver's view not in terms of a safety device of course it's very good there but like they can still see quite a lot with the halo there, especially when they're going to corners and they're looking at the apexes. It's what he was looking at. I loved it. I hope they bring it back for Zandvoort and maybe on a different car, different driver. Yeah, it'd be interesting to compare to compare the two. Yeah, the helmet cam was absolutely amazing. It was so so great to get a different perspective. And you know, like Jay said, you saw the dash. You saw you know his previous quality times. You basically saw his eye line as well, which was really cool. And um, yeah, like Jay also has mentioned, it'd be great to see different teams or drivers having the helmet cam to see and compare the um, their driving style or if they have any other ways of working, anything like that. Yeah, that's absolutely. That's about the only highlight from practice, truly. Otherwise, it went by... The clerk crashed. Major... And Max. Oh, the clerk did crash. And Max and did Max. crash, both in the same question, yeah. but no major damage. At the same done. sequence of corners, Le Con, which is a beautiful, beautiful word. Charlotte, you, you speak French, don't you? What does Le Con mean? Oh. <laughs> okay, know. moving on. Cut that, we'll, cut that. We'll, 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 we'll cut that out. We will cut that out. <laughs> All right, Jay said to keep it in, so I'm keeping it in. All right, let's move on to qualifying. Q1 and Q2 passed by without major incident. It was very damp, but Lando Norris was on fire throughout those two sessions. Absolute flames. What a, what a performance it was. He was clear in Q1 and clear in Q2 company the rest of the field he looked in such control of that mclaren especially you know at the other bus stop with the quite high curbs he was launching mclaren over them and he was just pounding the track it was taking off 
but he was still quickest comfortably in both sessions and I honestly thought he was going to get pole. Yeah, I literally second that. And especially with that bus stop chicane, like you say, like all the other drivers weren't really using the curbs. He was just like, nah, I'm, I'm going for it, which really made me laugh. Um, it, he was just rapid. He was insane. But I'm, I'm still shocked about Mercedes just struggling to... Or just struggling to get to Q3. They were so close of staying in Q2. Yeah, they were. They had to use another set of uh, intermediate tyres compared to everyone else, and they were completely out of sync on the runs. But nevertheless, they got there. It doesn't matter how you got there. They got there. Uh, one thing I did forget to mention as well was Kimi Raikkonen clonking the pit wall as he came into the pits. Not the pit wall, just the entrance to the pits. Um, but again, no major damage done. The Alfa Romeo team were able to fix that. Into Q3... Well, Lando had quite the smash, didn't he? Right at the start of Q3. Very, very big and very, very scary as well for the viewers. Yeah, that really wasn't nice to see. It was quite worrying, but thankfully he was okay. He got out the car on his own and um, he just felt a bit bruised the next day. But he was okay, which is the main thing. But very, very scary. I do think they should have red flagged the session, as Sebastian Vettel has said. And Lando also was on to his engineers saying that he was at complaining, which is never good, especially in the wet. So, um, yeah, I think we need to think about the safety sometimes instead of the racing especially in qualifying because they're trying to maximize the potential out of their cars you say aquaplaning is never good especially in the wet when else can you aquaplane i know i realized as soon as i said it <laughs> <laughs> how martin brundle spotted that mclaren go around i have no idea he has got some i don't know what animal's got good eyes he's got brilliant eyesight because i've watched that about 10 times in uh, replays knowing that he spun and I still can't see where he spun so I do not know how he spotted that he at all uh, and um, go on I was like, yeah, thankfully that it wasn't that bad of a crash when you saw it from the camera that was on top of the hill it looked really bad because you couldn't actually see you just saw him sort of turn left to go up by Rouge and then you didn't see him appear at the top of the hill and it was a bit worrying but then like when you saw the onboard he sort of just hit the barrier and the energy was dissipated over quite a long distance of tarmac so it wasn't too bad thankfully Lando's okay big shout out to Sebastian Vettel as well who drove up alongside and gave him a little wave to make sure he was all right such a gent is Sebastian Vettel but it was sad I, I do feel bad for Lando because he seriously had the pace to take pole and as we'll get on to that was enough to take a victory but I think he felt bad as well we did say on the radio after the crash he said sorry boys like we was on for a good one there I think he did feel a bit of guilt and yeah a few other highlights as well Daniel Ricciardo his teammate P4 Best quality from McLaren and best one in quite a while. So, I don't know, there's a lot of interesting stories from uh, qualifying, especially uh, a certain George Russell. There were, there were. George Russell, in a Williams, completely on merit, out-qualified two Mercedes, two McLarens, I know one of them crashed, Sebastian Vettel, four-time world champion. He stuck it on the front row. I mean, he was on po provisional pole for a good 30 seconds. Like... I'm not his biggest fan by any means. I don't claim to be, but that lap was sensational. Yeah, honestly, I I think that is one of the best laps potentially of all time if we want to go crazy because he was 100% in one of the slowest cars on the grid and then all of a sudden he's second on the grid. Like, I, I still am in disbelief and it's Thursday. <laughs> I just... As much as I, don't get it. Just don't. I just don't as much did as it. the Williams is one of the slowest cars on the grid. On that day, it wasn't one of the slowest cars on the grid because he had full wet setup on that car. So you know, well, Mercedes had a dry setup. Gambling for Sunday wouldn't paid off well, anyway. But you know, I guess really you've got to give end. props to Williams then as well because every yeah. team probably has the same forecast. So they just took the gamble. I mean, they've done well in Q one to put the inters on when they went on wets, and they were rapid and way much faster than everyone else. But mm. George Russell, let's. Let's not get it twisted. I know he didn't get a pole, but he'd be a seven-time world champion who's in the best car on the grid, arguably. He'd be his teammate. He'd be Bottas. He'd be a four-time world champion in a better car. He'd be Sergio Perez, who's in equally the best car. You know what I mean? He just beat everyone apart from Verstappen. It was such a good lap. It will long live on history. I think it's up there in terms of laps with Hamilton's at Singapore in, I want to say, 17 or 18, when he was just 18, insane. Yeah, and uh, Senna's one at Monaco, that famous one where you can see him changing the gear, that is up there in terms of 
the all-time best Formula 1 laps, and I'm not even over-exaggerating. Toto Wolff, after qualifying, was giving his, you know, debrief that he does for the media. He was like, you know, Lewis didn't quite put the lap together and Valtteri got unlucky with traffic on his outlap and therefore didn't have tyre temperature. But you make your own luck in this sport. You know, like Mercedes sent him out knowing that that traffic would arrive. Now, I'm not necessarily blaming Mercedes. Maybe Bottas could have done a bit more. I don't know. We saw nothing of Bottas. But... Mercedes messed up. Williams took full advantage of it and George put in an absolute stonker of a lap. And also I'd like to mention Daniel Ricciardo in P4 as his best qualifying in McLaren and it was kind of out of nowhere because he wasn't doing brilliant in Q1 and Q2 and then all of a sudden he jumped up to P4 and I was very pleased for him. Very pleased. Vettel P5 as well, when he Vettel was P5 in the Aston Martin. Pierre Gasly P6 in the Alpha Tauri. Plenty of good performances. I love when it rains because it's just that equaliser. You actually really get to see who are the skilled drivers. And I mean, certain people, they just can't hack it in the rain, Charlotte, if you know what I mean. Well, you know what, actually? Carlos Sainz didn't do as well, maybe as expected, because he's really good in the wet. Neither Ferrari did. Yeah. Yeah, Ferrari was pretty poor on, on the weekend. But I mean, it all didn't matter to be honest. I mean, actually, it all mattered a bit too much because look who, look where you're going to say it really, really, really mattered. It really mattered. Um, so then we came on to Sunday, which just to basically, I'm just going to do a very, very quick rundown of what happened. The start was delayed and then delayed again, then delayed again, then delayed again. You kind of get where this is going. And then they got underway, a couple of laps behind the safety car, decided, nope, too wet, into the pits, waited for absolutely ages seemed to bend the rules as they were going along which we'll talk more about in a minute went out for two more laps oh that's a race well done game set match without a single lap being completed that wasn't behind the safety car what do you guys think of Sunday I just I don't think I can talk about it it's it that annoying it is a fast stand it's a fast because you can't award points for a race didn't happen like you, like we've said you can't give points out for qualifying if they did it would change the weekend entirely so I think it's a farce that they've done that I feel sorry for the fans who were there it just feels like they put on the two laps just to say look we've completed the Grand Prix obviously the regulations say you need two laps to say a race has been completed so they just thought let's do the bare minimum and get out of here and it all just is rather laughable and a bit comedic and stupid if I'm honest because that is the thing. Um, I've been thinking about it since Sunday of what could they have done? Because it is tricky, I have to say. It was impossible to go out. I was beyond nervous to watch the race even before it happened on Sunday. With these conditions, I just thought this isn't going to end well. And then to call whatever that was a race is completely ridiculous that was not a race a race means there's no safety cars out there it means they're able to you know try and gain or lose positions on track which they didn't they couldn't um they had to stay in their order um the only way they could have gained or lost it if someone got off track e.g Sergio Perez (laughs) but that was before the race um and yeah, I, I just don't know. I think to call that a race is wrong. I'd rather they would have just cancelled it and or if they had to award points, made it clear going, we're only doing it for the qualifying, not saying, oh, the race um, results, which is not a result, the race results allow half points. I just think it was just so, so poor, so poor, especially for the fans and everyone watching. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to talk about the exact events in too much detail because everyone knows what went on. They sat there for about six hours watching nothing on on Sunday afternoon. But the thing that annoys me about Formula One is that they're very reactive in terms of what they do. They will wait for something to go wrong and then they'll react to it. Whether that's this weekend and the rules were just an absolute farce, so much so that they had to then bend their own rules pretty much in order to get any form of race and then they were like oh we need to not let this happen again from something as effectively simple as that to they've waited for someone to have a tragic accident before bringing the halo in they need to get ahead of themselves more i think they're very reactive as a sport rather than trying to be one step ahead and preventing things happening 
Because that is the thing. They can't have gone, oh, we didn't predict the weather's going to be that bad. Like, they have very good technology to know what is happening with the weather and it only just showed rain. And obviously there was the talks of maybe that they could move it to Monday, but then once again it just showed a lot of rain and obviously with Zandvoort this weekend, I think that made the logistics of it with travelling and all those kind of things quite difficult. But... I, I honestly don't know what the other solution was. I just still, once again, don't think that you could call it a race. But I think cancelling it altogether then completely made qualifying and the rest of the weekend pointless. And then to reschedule it, you know, Spa, Belgium, we're in September now. Weather-wise, I don't really know if it could have improved any more. I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, I was going to ask you, Charlotte, let me just throw it back on you. If you're Michael Massey and you're wearing that lovely blue jacket he wears and you get to sit in the nice fancy seat in race control, what decision are you making? Well, obviously, I, I, I'm not the FIA and I don't necessarily know all the rules inside and out. But if they had no choice and they because of sponsors because of sponsors and everything which you know I don't really agree and they had no choice but to award these half points I just would have said we're basing it on qualifying I know you're saying oh but then people would have changed their setup but this is just a one-off it's not gonna be every weekend because then I thought oh maybe they could do like a sprint race somewhere else like that will then replace spa but then the track conditions are completely different the track's different so then that makes it difficult. But I just think cancelling... Oh, I really don't know. It's so it's so hard. At the time on Sunday watching it, I was like, I just wish this never happened. Like, why couldn't they have just called it a no-go? But, the, yeah, the half points, I still don't like. I re- Honestly, I am I don't know. I'm on the fence of it. See, I'm going to play devil's advocate to you here. I wouldn't have wanted them to do it on qualifying because there's nothing written in the rules as far as I'm aware that says if we can't race, we're going to award you points based on qualifying. Like, for example, if qualifying doesn't happen, there is something written in the rules that they will take the Q2 times. And if it's looking like qualifying won't happen, teams will therefore take, sorry, FP2. Teams will therefore take FP2 a lot more seriously. Teams would have seen the weather forecast for Sunday. And if they'd thought there's a risk that we might not get a race, what do the rules say? Oh, the rules say they're going to take qualifying. They would have taken qualifying a lot more seriously than they perhaps did because they were thinking about the race. The fact that they had no idea at all that they would take qualifying times meant they focused on the race, which never happened. I don't know if that actually made sense. I just kind of spoke. (laughs) So it sounds like like what Charlotte's saying that she disagrees with it, but can understand why they gave away the half points because they need to put a race on because of the whole commercial but side it of definitely it. wasn't a race just to well, be clear <laughs> just to, just so I don't get killed after this podcast goes out and then Dan <laughs> is saying to scrap it all cancel it Saturday or like they see Sunday it's too wet cancel it send everyone home I am going to go bold this is completely out there completely different go on so I know you were saying earlier Charlotte when you were talking about how the weather it's going to get worse towards the later of the year but they've rejiggled the calendar a bit recently. Obviously, Japan's fallen off and they've moved Turkey back a week to be where Japan was, which I think is the start of October. Well, why not, right? So, obviously, you have the Russian Grand Prix two weeks after Monza and then there's a gap now where Turkey was. Why not have a one-off special Belgian Grand Prix, have it on a Saturday night, prime TV time, and you just say, look, we're taking the exact same grid order from qualifying. We're going to do a 44-lap race. Boom sorted and then that's it you give away four points move on obviously hopefully weather dependent if the weather's raceable in then you do that and i know logistically it's going to be challenging to go from uh russia to belgium to turkey it throws another triple header in but i want to allude before all of this f1 was going to go what singapore russia japan for a triple header which is insane to the air miles especially far east eastern europe far east again that's crazy with air miles. So, sure, and I know it's late notice, but surely F1, because they've got the resources, I'm sure Pirelli have the resources and all the other parties involved, have the resources to do a one-off special Belgian Grand Prix in between the Russian Grand Prix and the Turkish Grand Prix. Sort it all out, end all of the backhaul, end all of the farce, no questions asked, sorted, and then you don't get that stupid little point five on the uh, driver standing as well, which is really not my OCD. 
Yeah, I was literally just going to say, though, because I agree. I think that would be great. The only thing is, if it's only there for one race, for them and for the teams and, I guess, the sponsors and, you know, etc., just one day and one race might not be worth the money that they would probably need. Um, yeah, that's my only... I'm only putting my two pence in there. Then, why not? So have that one-off race, and maybe the day before, maybe you, you, you have a, a practice session, just for the team to get reacclimatized to it. I, I don't know whether there's like a regulation, whether they can qualify and have what, two races before they race for the qualifying they've done. But if they, if there's nothing gone now, I don't see why not. And maybe even just throwing like some kind of celebrationary thing in. I don't know, just have like the drivers waltz around in their cars, have like a, a muck around day. There's something to interest the fans, make it a bit more commercially viable. I don't know, race found backwards for like a, do you know what I mean? Ha- have a running race. Do it. I mean, do you feel, I'd love to see who actually is the fastest F1 driver, but just do something out there. Like, have fun with the fans. Just something to, so it becomes commercially viable. I'm sure if F1 really wanted to do it, I mean, F1 has enough money as well. I'm sure they really wanted to do it, they could, but, well, I doubt they will sadly that's the thing i really hope that the fia do something for the fans who were there that sunday because i would have been fuming if i had paid hundreds of pounds sat in the wet and then got told that i had witnessed a race that wasn't a race and that's it i don't get my money back i do think there should be something i'm really happy lewis hamilton spoke out about it say what you want i do agree with his opinions i think it's completely right it's a farce and they do deserve some sort of compensation if possible um but yeah i guess we'll just have to i mean i've wait and see i mean spa's over i guess but um <laughs> yeah see i think i've seen a lot of people saying about refunds and i think the only issue with refunds is that not all of the money from ticket sales goes to Formula One. Quite a lot more. I think most of it goes to the circuit itself. Obviously, Spa, you know, oh, COVID yeah, yeah. lockdown. So they haven't Maybe been able to much money from the from race meetings and they haven't made any money from ticket sales because they've not been able to go. So it's hard. Like, do you just refund them for Sunday? I don't know. It's sort of treacherous territory. But yeah, I think something does need to be done. Maybe they get next year's ticket for free. Like yeah, that. Nice. I just think something should be organised, even if it's like a half refund, like you say, go next year for cheaper or something like just something to show like, we are sorry that this wasn't what was expected. We couldn't control it. However, we care about you. Couldn't agree more. Could not agree more. One little honourable mention was one of the funniest videos I've seen in a long time was that Red Bull mechanic sprinting into the motorhome and going <laughs> flying on, I don't even know what he went flying on, who yeah. was called, for everyone that wants to name and shame him, Ed Hemsworth was his Whoa. name, was that mechanic that went absolutely flying. It's a nice little Formula Nerds exclusive yeah. there. Let's get him on next Ed week. Ed Hemsworth. Let's, let's get him on, let's get him on. The man behind the meme. That's such a good idea. Also, it's just a, a real idea. quick shout out uh, to Nikita Mazepin for fastest lap. What a guy, eh? The slowest, fastest lap of all time. <laughs> Only Nikita Mazepin. In a house. Okay, I think we've covered most things to do with Belgium there. We've probably forgotten. We've tried to erase it from our memory, to be honest. What a shambles to the weekend it was. Well done to George, Max and Lewis for the podium. Can't necessarily say it was deserved. Points all round. Bottas and Stroll had no chance at all to make up their penalties, which doesn't sit right with me. But there's we could literally be here all day moaning. But there's no point because you guys haven't come here to listen to us moan. You've come here to listen to us talk about F1 news, which is exactly what we're going to do now. And some more bad news. Kimi Raikkonen has announced his retirement from Formula 1 at the end of the season. The Iceman time in F1 is coming to an end. What a legend he is. Mm, it's coming to an end until he comes back in two years' time like he'd done before. He's going to go to rally and he's going to come back. No, uh, I think this is the actual end of Kimi Raikkonen's Formula 1 career. Sad to see him go because, do you know what, yeah, I was thinking before the podcast, before we started recording, I was doing a bit of research and I was thinking, can we classify Kimi Raikkonen as an all-time great driver? And then when you look at his stats, they are so, so good. So, most starts in history, he's obviously the world champion in 2007, He's got the 15th most poles, 15th most race wins, and the 5th most podiums of all time. He's got to be up there in terms of, I mean, obviously not Schumacher, Hamilton, Senna levels, but he's definitely in that elite level of driver. And I, I don't know, I feel like young fans, 
and young people in general won't have got to see Kimi at the peak of his powers. I mean, like in those Ferrari days, he was sort of playing second fiddle to Vettel. But when he's at Lotus at the early 2010s, he was so good. Before he left Formula One, obviously, he's world champion in the 2000s. He was really good as well. So it's sad. I think some people won't have that impression of Kimi. You know, he's raced for some of the best teams. He's raced for what? McLaren, he's done Ferrari, I said Lotus, he's done Ferrari again when he came back. He, he, he went away to rallying and came back and was probably better than he was before. So, sad to see him go, the Iceman. He's 41 years old now, so he's had a very good stint, very good innings. But I think it is time to go because I think there's so much young talent in Formula 2 and elsewhere that needs a shot. And I think it'd be wrong to have him still there because this year he's been struggling. So, I think it's time for some fresh blood in the Alfa Romeo seat. Didn't he like single-handedly nearly bankrupt Lotus because he massively overperformed on what was expected of him and he had like a win bonus in his contract? He, he had like a crazy like point bonus. It was something stupid. Like every point he scored, he got a huge sum of money. And I think Lotus didn't think they'd be as good as they were and they didn't think Kimmy would be as good as he was. And he basically bankrupted them, yeah. What a guy though, I love him, honestly. Like when you think about Kim, he's got so many memories. You think of that time when What is your I want yeah, from each of you, Ooh, what is your favourite Kimmy memory? I've put you on the spot here. I'm gonna say one where it's maybe a bit stupid. I don't remember. Do you remember Brazil? I think it might have been twenty twelve or twenty thirteen, when he got lost and went on like a completely different track. <laughs> and he was just driving down it at full speed. I think it's probably that one. Charlotte or Shores. I just love when Kimmy went on the yacht in Monaco. Like, only Kimmy. Kimmy. Let's just be real. Only Kimmy would do that. Own, own, only Kimmy would, would do that, absolutely. Yours, There's yours, so Dan? many to choose from. You know, you've got gloves and steering wheel. You've got for <laughs> what. You've got, he should stick to that reporting stuff. He's talking about Paul de Resta. But I think I've got, I'm torn between that video of all the cars warming up their tyres and zigzagging and Kimmy just driving in a straight line down the middle. I'm torn between that or when Martin Brundle went up to him. I think it was in Brazil, quite near the start of his career. And he went, oh, Kimmy, you missed the presentation by Pele. And Kimmy went, yeah, I know. And Martin was like, where were you? And Kimmy was like, I was having a sh- I think that is. I think that's my favourite Kimmy memory. Who misses Pele, man? Oh, I, I just I don't think there'll be a driver like him because he's. I mean, let's be real. He hates all the media duties, and he's very old school. He, I think he he loves F one for the driving, not for anything else. Not for. Well, the he fame. said it's a hobby. Well, didn't it was he? just his hobby. It was a hobby. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that's up there with another great Kimmy memory. So I don't think we'll see a driver of his light for a while, and it, it's sad no. to see him go. But I think it's the right time. Yeah, like I have said actually quite a few times on this podcast, just saying like I think he should go, and I feel bad, but I do think it's the right this is time. Your fault. I it's know your it's, fault, it's actually guys. my fault. Sorry, Kimmy. Um, I just think you know, like Jay's already mentioned, we've got so many young drivers who are hungry and have amazing talent who could be a world champion or you know win races and you know have start their career in Formula One, and I just feel like Kimmy's had that and it's time now for him to move on but just a quick mention formula one did a really cool graphic that they've posted on their socials and i just thought it was great i just want to list a couple off as well so he's had 21 grand prix wins he's had 103 podiums he's had 46 fastest laps 18 poles and obviously he's the 2007 world champion so and one massive poo which meant he missed pele <laughs> That was probably the best season in terms of a title battle, a freeway title battle. That went he won that last by race one point. He won by a singular he? point. Wow. One point. That was very, very good. Um, also, I mean, this is a separate note, but as like a closing statement, Kimi Raikkonen's first race in F1 was before Dan was born. It was. was it? Says, yeah, it was, it was Australia 2001. It's so a couple of years before wow. I was born as well. I don't know whether that's saying Dan's really young or Kimi's really old. Maybe it can't time. have been that. It can't have been that long after you were born. I was two. It was probably about what eight months after I was born. Yeah, exactly. So don't make it out like it's just <laughs> me here. It's not like yeah. you were. Oh. You were old. <laughs> I'm an old timer now. Either way, Kimi announcing his retirement means that there is a seat at Alfa Romeo up for grabs. Who is going to get that seat is the question on everyone's lips. It seems an accepted fact now that one of those seats will be. 
Field by Valtteri Victor Bottas. My man, my guy, what a legend. So, assuming he gets that seat, which seems almost a certainty if the media rumours are to be believed, who's going with him? Well, I mean, let's not forget, Giovinazzi's still there. I feel like people have taken it for granted that Giovinazzi is getting sacked at the end of this year. I mean, he very well could be. But it all, it all depends. There's so many different factors on it. I mean, do Alfa Romeo prefer Callum Arlott in that seat? Ferrari do control that seat because obviously part of their agreement to have the Ferrari power unit in there is that Ferrari get to control one of their seats. So will Ferrari stick with Giovinazzi? I think Giovinazzi has been pretty good this year, personally. Or do they put some young blood in, Callum Arlott in? There's talks that Alfa Romeo are going to start get, having a Mercedes engine, which I'm not even sure is illegal. If they do, does that mean Nick De Vries is going to go there? There's so many different things that could happen, and I wouldn't even like to say. You know what? I am so puzzled with what's happening at Alfa Romeo. I, you know, with the Bottas, Russell and all that talk, I completely assumed that Bottas would be going to Williams and that would be it. I thought Alfa Romeo... So Especially with the Alfa Romeo rumour, I was like, nah, that ain't happening. Well, kind of looks like it is now, which is really confusing me. I mean, it's not the worst move. It's it's pretty good, but I, I just didn't see it coming. And then, then Giovinazzi, I mean, I've said it before, I feel bad, but I just find him forgettable and I don't know the progression for him. Like, that Ferrari seat... I just don't see it happening. Um, but then I, I, I feel like I would maybe rather see Callum Eilat with someone who has more potential than Giovinazzi. I don't see him progressing massively any uh, any more than he is. I don't know if you if you know what I mean. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know anything. Help I me. Think that- a Bottas is nailed on for Kimi's seat. I don't yeah. Know, Kimi got to the end of the year. And I think if Alfa and Ferrari continue their relationship, it'll be Callum Eilat. Like Charlotte said, I think Giovinazzi, he's sort of running his course. He's done well, but he's a, he's a bit older than Callum Eilat. There's no real next step for him. I also feel like I have a really weird, like, just a bit, of, not deja vu, that's the wrong word, but like a, just a weird niggling thing in the back of my head saying that last year they were like we're gonna give him another year only just been like another year and we'll see do you know what i mean not like an ultimatum but i feel like do you know what i mean do you know what i, I think actually has been all right it's very hard to show your skills in a car which is as bad as the alpha Romeo has been i do i do feel for him but like you say there's i think he's going to be replaced by callum Eilat. Or maybe Nick DeVries, but I don't know. It's, it's hard to see Nick DeVries going. He's a Mercedes driver going into a Ferrari exactly. team. So it's hard to see Nick DeVries there. And then when you mentioned Williams, I feel like a couple of weeks ago, all the focus was on Williams and it was going to be Russell to Mercedes, <laughs> uh, Bottas to Williams, and we, who, who's going to be partnering Bottas at Williams? But now it's all about Alfa Romeo. But let's not forget Williams. The new rumour is that Alex Albon's going to be driving for Williams next year. I know. And Red Bull are going yeah, to like sponsor so- him there. It's all going off, isn't it? I don't know what's happening. It's all going off. Just to to rewind a little bit. So the names linked with Alfa Romeo are obviously Bottas, Giovinazzi, Nick De Vries, Callum Eilat, and Teo Pulcher as well, who is an F2 junior. He's young, very young. He's only just 18. Very, very highly rated by Fred Vesser, obviously. Alfa Romeo, Sauber, whatever they're called, team principal. I wouldn't count him out. I would not count him out. I don't think Eilat's going to get to F1, which pains me to say because I love Callum Eilat. But he's, yeah, he's done that deal with the IndyCar team this weekend. He's obviously looking for 2022, otherwise he wouldn't have bothered So then who do you think is going to be there then, Dan? Is it, is it, if it's going to be Bottas, he's going to partner with Bottas at Alfa Romeo. I was really hoping you think he'll be Teo Pocher? I don't know. I, it he's depends so how young. quickly they announce. So if it, young. If they announce it, before the end of the season, no, it's not going to be terrible chair. I, I think it will be Giovinazzi. I really, oh, but I said there's no way Bottas would go to Alpha and look look now. So, 
you know, don't don't listen to me, guys. I I know nothing. Lewis Hamilton announced that for Romeo for next year. Yeah, honestly. Lots of this. Imagine if Bottas stays at Mercedes after all of this. Yeah. <laughs> so so And Bottas is just reading these media rumors. Like, <laughs> what are they on about? I'm going to oh, ask imagine. you both the key question. So, who do you think will be Mercedes's driver pairing next year, Dan? Hamilton and Russell, isn't it? There, there's okay. no other way. He's seen that. sense, it, Charlotte. Would you just, agree with that? Is obviously, I just can't believe Dan's actually said it yeah, finally. So, Dan, Alfa Romeo, who are you going for? It's like, is water wet? Like, of course, it's going to be those two now. It's, well, you never no... for weeks, Dan. You never said that, and here we are. Yeah, but that's because I held out hope. There is no help. Hope to be held whatever I've messed that up oh, moving on bless you. There's, a f- there's a few wait, names wait. I still got to do your Alfa Romeo Alfa Romeo and Bottas yeah sure well it, more of what I would like uh, no no is, who do you think well I well this is the thing well okay I'm just going to say this is what I'd like and think then um, Bottas and Callum Eilert is what I'd like more than anything but yeah we'll see well think? I, I'm let's just say I lot, but, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. Right, Dan Williams. He, well, I was just gonna say the names in the hat for the Williams seat are obviously Latifi, Russell. Should he not go to Mercedes, he'd obviously stay there, but he's almost definite. Nick DeVries, of course, is also linked with Williams. Alexander Albon has somehow emerged as a front runner, front runner, front runner for Williams in the last couple of days. Um, not really sure how or anything about how that came about. Um, a little bit of Alex Albon's girlfriend followed Williams on Instagram recently, and they followed her back, and they're the only team that she follows. Mm. And Red Bull liked, uh, I think it was a YouTube comment where someone said, like, they made their prediction that Albon was at Williams. So, I mean, not to look too deeply into that, but it's a possibility. But who do you think will be there, Dan? I reckon that in Williams in 2022 will be Nicholas Latifi and Alexander Albon. But we haven't mentioned Guan Yu Zhou or Oscar Piastri yet, who are one and two oh. in the F2 championship. Sean, mm, one of them's no. got to get a seat. They, they have to, but, but they've Alpine. both been linked to Alpha and Williams because Alpine are happy to lend them. Oh. This is what we were saying, isn't it? We were saying there's so much talent in the junior yeah. categories, but there's just not enough seats on the damn grid. Shaw, who do you think Williams? Well, Latifi. Um because that's just what seems to be... It seems like a done deal. I think um, he deserves his seat. I don't think it's a case of he brings money. I think he does deserve his seat. You know, he's, No, he's, he's improved massively improved. a lot. Yeah, 100%. Um, uh, by the way, did you see that tweet last week? Uh, I think it was by Luke Smith of Autosport, where he, he put on Twitter, he put, da-da-da-da-da, Latifi is P2, when he was running second. Was it, uh, was it in Belgium? It must have been in Belgium during practice or something. Obviously, yeah, after TikTok so. put that video on Twitch of him saying I... Latifi is poo. <laughs> oh, I don't think Dan TikTok is going to be an F one like, next year. Yeah, I don't that think one I can say either. for sure. Dan TikTok <laughs> definitely won't be an F one next year. He gone... has wasted his chance. You've gone Latifi. Yeah, I have gone Latifi. Then this is the thing, Albon. That's just come out of nowhere. That's taken me by surprise. To I'm be a bit... fair though, the Bottas to Alpha came out of nowhere and now exactly. it's like, yeah, that's going to happen. It well, seems that's to be the thing. The same album. It's like, oh, the F1, man, it messes with my head. I'm, my head is a scrambled egg right now. Well, oh, I love Albon, but I also would love Nick DeFries in there. But I, I'd love to see Albon back in F1. So I'm just going to say Albon and Latifi. Go on then, Jay. Ooh. You're not getting out of this. Who do you think? Uh, Alpha and Williams you somehow got out of it from Alpha as well so Alpha and Williams oh I think Russell's going to Mercedes so it'll be Bottas and was it Eilat at, at Alpha and Williams I'm going to go bold because I've got to be different as well I'm going to say TV gets the boot I mean, of course, me. I'm actually disappointed <laughs> in both of you never seen Nick DeVry. No, so, I. Wait, let no, me just say. No, no was, let me just say. Soft, let me Charlotte. just say. That was soft I like think, Red Bull tyres. That was no. Oi, let me finish. <laughs> I think Nick, if Nick DeVry doesn't get a seat this year, I think he is more likely to get one next year as Mercedes EQ. But he's 27 will be next year. That's let me like finish. Ancient. He'll be. 
Mercedes will be leaving Formula E in 2022. So then he would be out of a seat, which gives him more of a chance. And he could be a double world champion by then. Imagine that, guys. So, yeah, that's my theory. If he doesn't... next year. Okay, just ignore my opinions then. Let's move on. (laughs) No, but mate, mate, look, it's going to be Eilat, Bossas, Alpha, and... The Vri and Albon like Williams, Latifi. Ooh, that'd be Latifi's sick. Latifi's going to go. I'd like that though. Yeah, mate, I don't think that they need the money anymore. And I know you said he's been all right, but he, he gets whopped every week by Russell. And I know Russell's a very, very talented young boy, but... Does he though? Does, he like... Was, who was ahead at Hungary? Quality. He was ahead in Hungary. He was, but only but thing, like, Russell was a Russell. I think he just got unlucky with the um, the timing of the safety car in the start. I mean, it all went on in Hungary. It all went on. Let's be like, like what didn't like, happen I mean, in Hungary? Like Russell was like second at one point, and then because obviously he everyone in the pits that they like, yeah. no, you can't do naughty it. boy, naughty boy George. But yeah, that's my predictions, and I hope mine come true, and not any of yours because yours didn't include Nick DeVry. Okay, a couple of interesting goals. Real quick, what about your man Hulkenberg, Jay? You go on about him all the time. I do, but I just can't see any real rooting. Do you know what? Yeah, I I have these fantasies, but I've also got to be realistic, Charlotte, and I just can't see a pathway for him. Maybe if Bottas left, but I don't mean maybe that Alfa Romeo seat, but I can't see them having two older drivers, Hulkenberg and Bottas. It's sad. I just can't see a route back in for him. Maybe he should go after the IndyCar or DTM or something like that. A couple of key quotes from the press conference today. Alonso, interestingly, said that he is ready for the challenge in 2023. Mm. Oh, which means if you're Guan Yu Zhou, Oscar Piastri, you are hating my <laughs> guy. Or Pierre Gasly. Poor, Poor Pierre Gasly. Yeah. You've feel for them, haven't you? You've yeah, really I mean, got to feel Alonso for them. people like 43. That'd be insane. That'd be like nineteen fifty levels where they just stayed until I was like sixty. Um, I'm, I'm not too keen on having him around for too long. I do love Alonso, but no. sometimes there's a time to step aside. Yeah, I totally agree. It's the same kind of situation with Kimi, if you want to say. Like, you get to a point, and I think it's now time for like the young drivers to have a go. And you know, I'm not saying I don't like Alonso because I do, and he's you know doing pretty well now. He's got used to that Alpine, and he's especially hungry. Hungry, yeah, it was. He he did a great race. So yeah, I think that's just one step at a time. Okay, and now back to Bottas, but not talking about his driving abilities. Uh, in the press conference, which are brilliant, by the way, in the press conference today, he said a multi-year contract would be nice, something I've never had before in Formula One, and he wants the, his future to be challenging, exciting, and fun. He does make a very good point there. Being on F one, uh, being on one-year contract, sorry, all your F one career must be horrible as a driver because you can't focus on the current year. You're constantly thinking about next year. So as much as I wouldn't want him to go to Alpha. If he gets a multi-year contract, at least then he can have that stability in the first year, knowing that he's going to be there next year, and he's not going to have that unnecessary stress. I I agree. It must be tough for him, but maybe Alpha is what he needs. You know, he's maybe not, maybe not in the twilight of his career, but it's coming towards maybe the end. He's what 31, 32 now. So a bit of continuity, Alpha. Alpha, he can probably be the main guy. You know, I mean, he can be the team leader like he was at Williams back in the day. It'd be a challenge to try and get out of the grid. It's literally everything he's he's looking for. Maybe yeah, you know what? I think Alfa Romeo actually might be quite good, maybe for him, in a weird way. Because I, f- I do find that so surprising. He's never had a multi-year contract deal. You know, say what you want. I find that really surprising. Especially in years where, you know, I mean, because it's... He's always had someone that's threatening to take his seat. Not in 2017 so much, but then he had Ocon and then Russell. But, I mean, until now, no one's ever actually realistically been close to taking his seat. So I don't know why he's never been offered that two-year deal. I really... Not good enough. I really don't. <laughs> Jay. <laughs> oh, he's, he's good enough. He's good enough. But I think oh, it's just like you said that so quietly and quickly. Yeah. <laughs> I think... Uh, Total Wolf just likes it just to have that that hand at the negotiating table. It gives him yeah. that freedom where if he wants to pick the young starlet, he can, but obviously he can still keep Bottas because Merck were clearly the best team in Formula One, so Bottas isn't going to leave, is he? 
It's true. Um, moving on, a little bit of chat about Yuki Tsunoda. In the press conference today, he has hinted that his future is definitely not certain. He said, or when Motorsport.com asked him a question, he said, this season has had its ups and downs and hasn't been consistent. I need to achieve that. I need more consistency. The odds are 50-50 regarding keeping Ooh. his seat. 50-50, that's, really? that's pretty low, isn't it, 50-50? But then to be fair... And then he said, we'll see, and he said that his future won't be decided this week. I don't think he can sit comfortably at all, to be fair, Yuki Sonoda. Because he's struggling. He's he, struggling. He hasn't been good at all. I know there was so much hype about him, and I know he's a rookie, but he hasn't been good at all. And I think Albon was better in the Toro Rosso. Danny Kvyat. I mean, that's a name we never really talked about. Now is it Danny Kavir? He was better in, when he was at Alpha Tavish slash Toro Rosso. So, is he really deserving of a seat next year? No. Do I think they've got too early from F2? Yes. Will he stay? Probably. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't think it's certain at all. Um, bit of George Russell chat. He said that he knows where he will be driving next year. He just can't tell the media. But he's, that he's silver just arrow. Does know <laughs> where he's driving. He's just bought a house in Brackley. <laughs> Has he? Well, I don't know. Oh. I made that up, but I'm okay. sure he's probably renting one. <laughs> oh my god! I fully believed you. <laughs> so did I. Oh, oh, I hate you. Uh, yeah, it's it's gonna be Mercedes, surely. Which I'm really excited for when this is announced. Imagine if it's not, and we'll just be like, "What?" But when it is, I just really want to know what Hamilton's gonna say because uh, he won't have it that easy. I have a feeling next year. I don't know. We'll see. I want to know what Bossas does for the rest of this year. Now he probably yeah. knows he's not going to be there next year. If if you just hear, oh, Valtteri, it's James. Yeah, you're going to win this race, but can we can Lewis win this race, please? Surely Bottas just going to go. It's just going to go. No, he can't. <laughs> like I don't know. He, Valtteri could really ruin stuff at the moment. The power will be in his hands if he leaves. Dun dun dun. Kind of. Yeah. Just yeah. He could do a Seb like last year and he just didn't really care in the end. Yeah, pretty much. Um, moving away from F1 just for a second, we had Extreme E last weekend, which is the best and only racing that we had. And it was a pretty good weekend. Yeah, honestly, thank goodness for Extreme E because it filled the void in my heart of no racing from Spa. So... Here we go. Let's have a quick little summary. Even though it was the Arctic X-Prix, the action was on fire. It was definitely the best weekend of Extreme so far. Uh, coming into the final races on Sunday in the crazy race, it was all to play for to gain a spot in that final. The crazy race was actually very crazy. The JBX team team received a 30 second penalty but Kevin Hansen made sure this wasn't going to stop them. Leading into the race, into the switch zone, and then coming back out second, he was then able to claw his way back from 30 seconds behind the leader of, I think it was Excite Energy Team, something like that, uh, back to cross the line in first to win the crazy race and into the final. But the real standout star on that Sunday was Katie Munnings, who had an incredible race and was able to claim the lead very early on in the final. X44, which is Lewis Hamilton's team, held the lead coming into the switch zone before realising they had a puncture, suffering their switch zone times with Andretti United and Rosberg Racing coming out ahead of them. In the battle for the lead, Rosberg Racing had a massive jump and landed with a puncture, putting them back of the grid, last in the race and losing their winning streak after having won both the previous X-Prix. So ultimately, the winner was Andretti United with Katie Munnings and Timmy Hansen. And the standings now lie with Rosberg Racing with 93 points, X44 on 84 and Andretti have moved all the way up to third with 76. I know Rosberg Racing got a puncture and therefore it ruined their race, but what a leap! It that was, was massive. Do you see the airtime on that man? Could have flown to blimmin Greenland? No, was it in they, Greenland? It was in Greenland. I <laughs> could have flown to Iceland with the amount of airtime that he had. Like, that was seriously impressive. But it honestly, the car. If anyone hasn't seen. Uh, extremely this weekend I do highly recommend before we head to the Island X-Prix which is I Absolutely. think in 50 days time as far as I'm aware um, 
so yeah oh it was brilliant it was brilliant honestly if i had to have a driver of the day mine is definitely kevin hansen how we got that lead in that crazy race oh honestly amazing it's true it's true we look forward we do look forward to the next one it's brilliant check it out on youtube honestly it was quite something um back to f1 22 races we've lost a race what's happened jay well, I mean, Formula One were very, very keen to say that even though they've lost their race, it is still a record-breaking season. 22 races all over the globe. Well, basically, um, I think everyone feared that Japan was going to be cancelled, but Japan has been cancelled. I mean, they hosted the Olympics, they're currently hosting the Paralympics, but they couldn't host the Formula One Grand Prix. So they've cancelled Japan and they've sort of tinkered with the calendar. So Turkey, so it meant to be Russia, Turkey, Japan, triple header. They pushed Turkey back, so now you have Russia, two weeks, Turkey. And then they have another two weeks, and then the US Grand Prix, and then another two weeks, and then they have a triple header between Mexico, Brazil, and then a two be confirmed, which is likely to be Qatar. It's going to be quite interesting because I thought maybe the triple header they want to keep it in North America, but apparently not. It's going to be likely Qatar. But yeah, that's it really. There isn't really much to else add. Middle Eastern finale still on double header, Jeddah, Abu Dhabi. It's just. It's sad that we're not seeing 23 races and it's sad not to see Japan because obviously Japan's a crazy circuit and we did, I honestly thought that Formula 1 would go out of their way to replace it because obviously money talks but clearly they haven't been able to and we're just left with 22. Yeah, well, hopefully the season is still a good one but, you know, we'll see. 22 instead of 23, I think I can live with that. You know, it's not like, it's not like we've lost 12 races. You know, we've lost... One, which I think everyone kind of saw coming. If they can keep the 22, I'll be impressed, to be fair. But you just never know. Before we fully get engrossed in the Dutch Grand Prix, we need to have a quick mention to W Series, which is at Zandvoort this weekend. And as well as W Series, we have the Formula 3 Championship, which Red Bull Junior Dennis Hauke still leads, but not by very much. Jack Duhan is catching him, but we will see what happens this weekend. Normally, we would revisit our predictions from the week before, but we can't really, because there wasn't a race. <laughs> so our predictions are completely irrelevant. So we will make some predictions for a Dutch Grand Prix. Charlotte, what are you predicting? A race will go ahead. I'm joking. That um, is not, not bold in the slightest. <laughs> <laughs> My prediction is going to be that Daniel Ricciardo finishes in P5, I'm going to say. I'm going to say, yeah, P5. What are you going to say on the podium? No, but I mean, to be fair, P5 is still pretty solid. I mean, if you consider that, if the top four teams, so top four drivers finish, Perez, Bottas... Hamilton and Verstappen, best to the rest. They're making better than you know, Lando, better than exactly. the It's not a bad prediction. You know, he, he had a good quality. He had a good quality for Spa. So I'm going to try and continue that momentum and just say P5. Anything above is obviously a bonus. But, so you're um, relying on a good quality, basically, because it is impossible to overtake at that track. A lot of drivers are describing it as Monaco without the walls in terms of overtaking abilities. And well, a lot of journalists are saying whoever goes into the first corner in the lead, win. Well, this is my hope, is that he is pretty good at making up um, positions on the opening lap. So maybe into turn one, he's going to have a mad one. And, uh, you know, even if he's, you know, 10th, you never know. You never know. We do, honestly, with Formula One at the moment, you never know what's going to happen next. So I'm going to go with that. I'm going to back my boy, Danny Rick. Jay, what are you going for? A bold prediction for the Dutch Grand Prix. I'm going big, Dan. I'm going to go, it's going to be a reversal of Silverstone. Obviously, Verstappen's home Grand Prix at Zandvoort. He's going to hit Lewis off and Lewis is going to retire. Ooh. It's going to be Silverstone all over again, but just rolls reversed. Retire as well. That is bold. That is like bold as something that's bold. Bolder than a washing up or dishwasher tablets. Yeah, <laughs> God, we talk some rubbish on this podcast, I tell you what. People still listen to us somehow. Exactly. Thank you, guys. Um, I am going... I was going to go. I had very nearly said Bautri Bottas, Paul Lewis Hamilton win, but I said that the other week. So I'm going to go for Lewis Hamilton weekend domination in terms of pole and win. I'm not necessarily saying Grand top slam. sort of practices. What about a Grand Slam? 
Yeah, why not? No, no. So I think whoever's in third. No, because I think whoever's in third will just box for that. No, I think you should go Grand Slam. I'm going Lewis Hamilton pole and win. That's what I'm going for. And lead every single lap and get fastest lap, yeah? Not. I just don't think that's that bold. I think we need to... Okay, fastest lap, but I'm not saying he's leading every lap because he won't be able to build a big enough gap at Sandor. No, I'm happy with that. I'll say pole win, fastest lap. Also, I think William will struggle this weekend because it's very windy at Zandvoort. It's quite near the beach and their car isn't very good when it's windy. And yeah. now I've said that Latifi's going to get pole and Russell's going to get second <laughs> and they're just going to smack everyone out of the park, I'm sure. Schumacher will get fastest lap. Yeah. <laughs> I've had this really weird feeling, but I think Lance Stroll's going to crash out during the race and trigger a safety car. Which is oh, very okay. precise, but I don't know why. I can just see it happening. Why Lance? Don't know. I feel like every year he does it once, and I feel like he's kind of overdue. So I think it's going to happen this weekend. Well, would you not say Baku was that? That wasn't the his tire. fault. That wasn't his fault. I think he's going to crash on his own accord. Okay. See, it's funny you say that because I had a dream last night that Max DNFs um, through a mechanical failure, but I didn't know if you'd call that bold enough, so I didn't say it. No, that's pretty bold. That's, that's all right. I would have said okay. Well, no, but oh. we, we said no, we're locked in. Well, so. I've already said my predictions. However, just verbal note I think Max is going to DNF from a mechanical failure. Do you have any comments to make on the Dutch Grand Prix other just, than please say that we race? I was just uh, just hope it happens. <laughs> um, Orange Army out, going to be in full force. Let's let's not mistake that. A few things that you can take off your bingo card would be lack of overtaking, Hamilton getting booed, on the podium or in yeah. part time after qualifying. Oh, I, I actually, I'm not looking forward to these post-qualifying interviews at all and because it's going to be toxic. I'm excited for the back corners, especially the last one. They did it yeah. really steep. Apparently they're twice as steep as Indianapolis. It makes me kind of nervous. So hopefully Pirelli have got their tyre selection correct. But yeah, looking forward say, to it. Yeah. First time since 1985. not it? That's a long time. That is a long time. It'll be interesting you know to see how the Pirelli tyres... I was going to say, do you know what else came out in 1985? Back to the Future. Just let it's you know. It's been that long. It's been that long. <laughs> Mate, did, did you know, 1985, the last time the Dutch Grand Prix was on was before Dan was born. That's, that's, how, that's how long it's been. <laughs> yeah, just, just a little bit. Just a little bit before I was born, you know. Um, I mean, guys, let's be real. That's before all of us were born. Well, yeah, it is, but... Yeah, oh, that's, that's, that, that, that continue the trend. Joke. I that know. The joke. <laughs> okay, well, cut me out. It's fine. <laughs> As I was about to say before Charlotte started talking about Back to the Future, um, <laughs> it will be interesting to see how the Pirelli tyres deal with the bank corner at Zandvoort. And I just, I really hope they do deal with it because a tyre failure on that, or any of the banked corners, but especially the last one, could be bad. Sorry, I was just looking for the tyre allocation really quickly. Yeah, I mean, the last thing we want is a oh. repeat of Indianapolis 2005. You get six drivers on the grid. Go on, Charlotte. So, I've just found that the tyres for this weekend are C1, C2 and C3. So they are the hardest in the Pirelli range. I'm not surprised, to be honest, at all. Um... But I've looked at I've looked at track guides and I just cannot see a clear spot for overtaking. I really can't because there's the no DRS real, on the bank turns. The only real chance is if you can maybe get close around the bank turn, DRS opens up just after the end of it and yes. into turn one or maybe into the um, shh, the S's in the middle of the circuit. So there's, there's yeah. like quite a nice stadium section, but that straight isn't that long, even though there is DRS. And other than that, I don't know, there's... There's no sort of, they're the only two real big breaking points that have straights before them. So it might be a bit processional. Who knows? Maybe we'll get something crazy. I mean, F1 this year, even like France this year, which is usually a poor race, has been really exciting. So keep everything crossed, Dan. Don't be too pessimistic. I'm sure it'll be good. That's true. That's true. I really hope, I really hope it is. But either way, qualifying is going to be probably one of the most important of the season. So, you know, teams will be going, teams will be going all out to get to the front of the grid. But we will have to see what happens. Make sure you listen out to the Dutch Grand Prix review, which is coming on Sunday this week. I know there was no Belgian Grand Prix review, but that's because there was no Belgian Grand Prix. But the Dutch Grand Prix review will be coming on Sunday. We will be back next week to cover all the fallout from that. 
all the news in the week. And of course, we will be previewing the Italian Grand Prix at Monza, which has the second of the sprint qualifyings, which I'm looking forward to. You know what? So am I. I'm actually very much looking forward to seeing how the sprint qualifying plays out. Silverstone was interesting. Some people really benefited it. Uh, benefited from it, e.g. Alonso. So, um, yeah, let's see what happens in Monza. Should be good. Um, easy to overtake at Monza compared to Silverstone, so it should be a good proposition. It should. It should. Fingers crossed. Let's hope we get a race this week. Let's let's hope it's a good one. We'll be back next week. Everyone, enjoy the Dutch Grand Prix. Look out for a lot of driver news in the coming days. We will cover all of that, of course. We'll see everyone next week. Goodbye. Podcast Network.